Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. I started last week dealing with the subject matter. Your time has already arrived. Your time has already arrived. You don't have to wait for it. I've heard over the years, God's going to do something new. God's can't do anything new. He won't do anything new simply because God is God. And everything God has done, he's already done for us. He's already established us. He's already increased us. So anything that God does, now he, the Bible says that, uh, according, I know some people will quote Isaiah, behold, he does a new thing. Well, he does a new thing physically. We experience things that are new for us. But for God, God has no new things. God's not surprised. God's not bewildered when something happens. God already knows. God understands. So God has already established your blessed state. And let me re- put it that way. So he, in you is this dynamic nature. In you is this powerful point. Before I go into this, and I've already established some verses of Scripture, uh, before I got started here this, this morning, uh, this evening, I wanted to I pulled up these verses of scripture that Jesus said, and Jesus had what I consider to be I am confessions. I like that. Not I was, not I'm going to be, man, I wish I was confessed. No, I am confessions. And here's some, in the book of John, he makes reference in the 10th chapter, verse 7, Verily I say unto you, I am the door. Uh, of, I am the door to the sheep. So I am the door. That's an I am confession. And then in verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. Another confession of faith. I am confession. Again, in verse 14, he reiterates and said, I am the good shepherd, solidifying that, pushing that point home. Then he makes reference in verse 30, I and the Father are one. Jesus had a reference point here, just giving you I am confessions. You and I ought to be living by our I am saved. I am blessed. I am healed. I am delivered. I am free. I am blessed. I'm not cursed. I am the healed of the Lord. I'm not the sick. I am blessed in such a a way. My seed is producing because I'm a sower and a sower received. I'm on the receiving end. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I am confessions. That puts us into this when you and I share the gospel, when we share the word of God with and we out of our level of abundance, we recognize our time's already come. So I want to subtitle this with go in your strength, move in your strength, operate in your strength. I said it last week. We'll talk a little bit more about this. But many years ago, I overheard a, a minister say this. I, I wrote and jotted down some of it and put it down. and got the, the, the audio portion of the message. So I could get this down, the message, this so I could put it in there. But I heard this statement, and that was this. When uh, uh, he said, when a farmer wants to go to work, when a farmer works, well, he has to look for the tools that go with the farming, such as a shovel or a sickle or whatever he needs to grow his farm. Now, also, if a physician goes to work and needs to work and wants to work, first thing he wants to go for is a thermometer, stethoscope, whatever tools he may need, x-ray machine, whatever field he is in as a doctor. He needs those tools in order for you. He looks for 
the tools that helps him with his profession. A surgeon needs needs those. He needs a, he needs blades. He needs a, uh, he he needs to have uh, forceps. He needs to have uh, operating table. Whatever he may need. And we realize that if a tailor is going to be working, then he needs measuring tape, scissors, needles, threads. These are all little elements for the tool. Now, how about God? Well, when God wants to work, he looks for men and women. He looks for people, his people, the righteous. Where the, where the, when the righteous are in authority, the city rejoices. So God is looking for men and women. He's looking for those who are called of God, those who understand their calling, those that are living in their calling. And so people, therefore, are his only go-to vessels. They're his go-to tools. They are his go-to weaponry. So when there's a battle in life, that's he uses us to conquer. Our nation right now needs uh, a, a turnaround. Our nation is, is endeavoring to be put under siege. However, when the righteous are in authority, the city rejoices. So it requires the righteous, you and me, to live in our God-given authority, to exert that God-given authority and not bow our knees. We've got to stay steadfast and do what God told us to do. So I want to reiterate, I want to restate uh, some statements I made last week and then we'll go into some verses of Scripture. And that is this, in His presence... We do not move by steps or in steps. Rather, we move by dimensions and realms. We move from glory to glory, from faith to faith. We move from in that level of dimension or realms of the Spirit of God. We just stay in His presence. The key is His presence. You can't have those realms of movement unless we stay in His presence. So we need that. The presence of God is the birthplace of the will of God. If we'll stay in God's presence, then we'll have the birthing of His will and the continuance of His will in our life. And we won't be struggling when they go, where is the will of God? We won't be doing that. So let's revisit again the two contexts of verse Scripture, Philippians 3.10 and then Ephesians 2.10. And in the book of Philippians, when Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, there was a powerful statement that he made here. But he said this with passion he said this with such authority and in philippians 3 10 he said that i might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering becoming conformed unto his death now notice that i might know him this is the apostle paul speaking the apostle paul was writing to the church of philippi and if you study this third chapter Man, it is an overwhelming chapter. When you begin to look at the challenges that he was facing, he talked about heresies. He talked about people that were out of line. He talked about people problems, people challenges. But in the middle of that, he said, but here's my goal. In the middle of that, I don't want to know the people causing challenges. I don't want to call about the people who are out of the will of God, not in the will of God, functioning in a way they should be. No, he goes, here's what I want. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. That is powerful. I want to know him and the fellowship and the fellowship. So don't discard that. And the fellowship of suffering, becoming conformed. Oftentimes I hear people quote this verse and they say that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. They stop right there. No, complete the verse. And the fellowship of his suffering. Because if you're going to follow God, 
you've got to realize that there's gonna, uh, it's going to come, uh, coming with it is a level of suffering. There are people that don't want you serving God, don't like you serving God. There are people that don't like you using the name of Jesus. There are people that do not like you standing up for righteousness. There will be individuals that are close to you and some that don't even know you. I mean, today, you could be walking down someplace with a, with a Make, a, make America Great hat and get hit, get slapped, something thrown at you, people yell at you. You could be going down in the middle and say, Jesus, Lord, somebody yell. Why? Because righteousness is being challenged today. It's not really about the times and the culture. It's the spiritual battle. And that's what you and I got to know. But if we know him and the power of this resurrection, oh, man, it is glorious. And we walk in this great dimension and great realm and we stay, we stay content and satisfied in Christ Jesus. I'm not satisfied in what's going on. I want more of God. I'm hungry for God. In the message translation of this, Philippians, he says, I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. Experiences of resurrection power and be a partner of the suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. And if there was any way to get under the resurrection of the dead, I want to do it. I want to do it. Man, think about that. He said, I gave up all that inferior stuff. Anything you had prior to Christ, when you became a new creature, think about this. That old stuff was inferior stuff. That old stuff was, was in stuff that could not work in this arena, in the faith arena, that fleshly stuff, that world stuff. It, it can't work here. What works here is called the substance of faith. Now, faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance. Faith is the substance. Substance is what we're looking for. We need to be believers Men and women of substance. And the substance we should have is the word of God. How do we know the depth of our substance? Belief in our heart, confession of our mouth. And I, I put away that inferior stuff. He said that I could know Christ personally. Now, to make that statement is to say this. There are a lot of people who know Christ. That's awesome. I know them. I know those individuals. Ah, but however... That does not mean I should put myself in the back burner and say, I don't need to know Christ because I know people that do. No, 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 no. Your pastor may be praying. That doesn't mean you shouldn't pray. Your pastor needs to study and should be studying, and I do that. However, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be studying, and you'll never study if you don't read. The only reason I study is because I read. And I do this, and I, I do this for myself, and I do it for you. You ought to be able to do that yourself. Say, I read my word. I study my word. I meditate on the word of God day and night. This is what we need to do. Now, look at Ephesians 2.10, and let's see what Paul said to the church of Ephesus. When, when we're looking at the church of Ephesus, the, one of the most spiritually founded churches, he makes a statement, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. These are not old scriptures. We used these last week, and I'm sure you've read it before, and you may have them highlighted. That's great. You should have them highlighted. But we are his workmanship, and we're created in Christ, the anointed, and the anointed one, Jesus. So we are. This is what we are. Once again, our I am confession. Your time has already arrived. You've got to go in his strength. This is how you do this. You've got to know who you are. We are his workmanship. 
If I'm his workmanship, then I have to have worth. If I'm his workmanship, I have to have value. So do you. We have to be loved by God. Now, here's the statement. Who you are and what you possess in Christ is unveiled in his presence. Now, every one of us, I do, you do, everybody that you know, all of us need the power of God in our life. And we have it because the Holy Spirit lives within us. We have God's power made available in his word. For the preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. This is the power of God. So to have God's power is to have this right here. We need the word of God. We need to know from Genesis to Revelation what it is that we're talking about. Now watch, we need the visitation and the move of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the word in our life and it should invoke a manifestation, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so that will generate this holy power that you and I are looking for. In order to do that, it helps us discover who we are. Now, for myself, I recall when I got called into the ministry, I, I mean, I was probably, my, my father used to say this. We, uh, he used to tell me, you know, your mother and I used to ask, you know, we never thought you would be the one that would be a pastor. You would be the one. Be, we, we knew your life. We thought maybe our, one of our other children, but not you, surely not you. But God had different choice, And that was right. Thank God he did. And so, I mean, I remember going, I don't do it anymore, but go to uh, school reunions. I, I don't do that no more. But when people found out I was first, found out I was a Christian, they said, you, you gave your life to Christ. I mean, go on. You, we knew you. And then when they found out I was pastoring a church, wait a minute, you're pastoring a church? You, we knew you. Well, see, the world knows the old you. You got to recognize that. God knows the new you. But here's what's more important. Do you know the real you in Christ? Do not allow the old you to interfere with who you are currently right now. Don't bring that luggage of the past. Don't bring all that junk in and let it clutter up your life that you do not surrender and say, I know God called me. I wouldn't have called me, but God did. And since he did, I rest in that. I'm settled with it. And glory be to God. Since God said it, I believe it. That settles it. I am of God. This is my appointment in God. And be, be satisfied and content with the fact that your God knows more than you know. And that his love was so superior, he chose you. He anointed you. And he put his mantle on you because he cares about you, man. Now, in Judges chapter 6, we see this clearly. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It said, There came an angel of the Lord, sat under an oak tree, which was in Ophrah, and pertained, that pertained unto Joash the Ephesite, and said to and, and his son uh, Gideon, and who threshed wheat by the winepress, to hide it from the Mennonites. Now, a little very quick, which I don't have time to hold. Get, get it, read, uh, uh, read Gideon, uh, the book of Gideon, all the way from chapter one to six. And uh, but in cha- even in chapter six, it said in verse one, it makes this statement: and the children of Israel had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And so God turned them over into bondage to the Midianites. Well, he really did turn them over. It's worded that way. But what it means was because they had done evil in the sight of God, God God had to withhold his moving forward with them and just had to allow them to go into bondage because of all the evil they did. He could not stop it because they were moving into that evil. And so since that was it, you, you, if, you, if you can't unring the bell, 
Once the bell's rung, you can't unring it. So some people say, why did God allow that? He didn't allow it. What happened is people did that, and now they've got to live with the consequences of that. And so here, when you read this, the scripture says that Gideon was hiding. Why? Because the Midianites would come in, and they, would, they were destroying the fields. They, became, uh, they were a prosperous nation until there was evil done. And when that evil it slowly began to decay and penetrate into the nation, and they became impoverished. There was, there was no food. There was nothing going on. They were, the Midianites were stealing their cattle, their, their sheep, their fields, their crops, everything. And so, and in order to get it, they were killing people off. We have absolutely no idea at that time how many Israelites were there at that moment with Gideon. But Gideon with them, here's what they did. They hid in the fields and they lit in, hid in caves. Remember the Bible said that David hid in a cave. He, they were hiding in caves. Gideon was hiding in a cave. While he was there, he was doing the wine press. He wasn't in the field doing this where you normally would take the corn and do this. No, he was in another location. Where he was at was hiding. He was in a place to where you could not wreck see him, and he was hiding from the Mennonites. So with that history, we find out that the angel knew where he was. He knew exactly where he was. He knew where he was supposed to be, but he knew also where he was. And so the angel, the scripture said, and the angel of the Lord, write that, you ought to underline that. And the angel of the Lord came, sat under that, right with him, and, and where Gideon was. And the angel, verse 12, of the Lord appeared unto him and said, just not appeared, but said, the reason he appeared was to say something. So Gideon had the physical, natural attention uh, drawn to him by this angel. And then the angel of the Lord said unto him, uh, the Lord is with you. Well, it didn't appear like it. I mean, there was so much junk going on. And the Bible said, and watch this, thou mighty man of valor. Well, it did. He did not look like a mighty man of valor, but heaven recognized him for who he really was, a mighty man of valor. Here's the challenge. Gideon didn't see himself that way. I submit to you that so much of the body of Christ is living below their means simply because they don't see themselves with the viewpoint of heaven. Jesus Christ did not die so that you could live mentally like a beggar and wonder, does God really love me? God loves you so much. Don't, don't casually read, for God so loved the world that he gave his own. No, understand the importance. It's a powerful verse. God so loved you that he was willing to give his only begotten son, that you should never perish. And in Christ, you would have everlasting life. That is one of the strongest, powerful verses. Just don't highlight it and forget it. It is great, a verse, a scripture for you to know and to say daily, about, oh, I'm so loved. God thought so much of me. His son was given in my behalf. So I give my life as well. The angel came to Gideon and he said, listen, mighty man of valor, I'm with, I'm with you. And then he's, Gideon said unto him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why is all this befallen us? Doesn't that sound like what goes on today? It literally makes the statement to saying, well, look at all the challenges. God, if you're really with us, how come we're going through all this stuff? How come the Midianites are stacking all our stuff? How come they're taxing us the way that they do? Why is all the socialism trying to take over the nation? Why are all these things happening? Well, 
God has His word. God has His will. God has His ways. God has His promises. But people must surrender to God's word, God's will, God's ways, God's purposes. And if they don't, we get the opposite results. And we can't sit back and say to ourselves, wait a minute, God, if you're really God, if you really love me, how is this possible? Why is this happening? This is what he was saying here. God, if, why is this befallen us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us of? We heard of the miracle. I'm Gideon. My father talked about this. My grandfather talked about miracles. In my lifetime, I have been seen one. Right now, there's a generation of people who say, I want to see a real miracle. I mean, I haven't seen I've heard people talk about it. What happened to the old manifestations from in our time period? We could say this. Here we are in 2020, getting ready to go into 2021. And there are manifestations of God, miracles that we used to witness and see in early church time. Hands growing out and, and, and so forth going on. So this is important that you and I understand what was going on, what was happening. Why was this happening? Well, there was this evil and Gideon wasn't aware of it. And Gideon could, wouldn't recognize that. No, it can't be that we were so evil that we got cut off. No, that can't be it. Oh, yeah. There are people right now coming into the presence of God, exiting the presence of God, coming into the presence of God. They're staying distant, and they'll be gone from God's presence for a few years. I mean, there are people that you sometimes see in church, don't. I'm a pastor. I see them sometimes, I don't see them. I see them online, sometimes I don't. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know who they're listening to. I don't know what goes on day to day. I live, Joanne and I live in a, in, in a desirous position of knowing God and being with God daily, just walking with God daily. Not because we're pastors, not just because we're called into the ministry, not because we have friends that are in the ministry, no, because we love Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church and we love him. And he is, he is the one that called us and anointed and appointed us. He's the one who blessed us. So we're going to follow him, go all the way as as. As uh, the message translation said in Philippians 3.10, we put away all that inferior stuff so we could pursue God. Well, where are all those miracles, Gideon said, they told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us? Ah, a lot of people believe that. Where's God now? How come there's fires? How come there's hurricanes? How come there's whirlwinds? How come there's all these floods? If God is forsaken. If God was really God, then why has all this happened? Because we forsook God. We walked away. And de- now here's, here's the key, watch this. And delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. God didn't walk them over, say, here, Midianites, take them over. That's not what happened. Go back to verse 1 of chapter 6. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Go always back. The Bible says the curse causeless does not come. That's called an idiom. It simply means reverse. There's always a cause for something going on. Locate the cause, shut the door, and let it in. If you have a bunch of flies flying into your house, shut the door before you try to kill all the flies. Otherwise, they're still coming in. God's men and women are his method, his machinery. Let me rephrase it in a modern definition, missiles. Anytime there's a problem in a land, just like there was in Israel during Gideon's time, the major challenge is not the power, powerfulness of the enemy. It's not the power of the, of the Midianites that conquered them. It wasn't the power of the devil that's conquered. No, he had, they have no power. Here's the challenge. No, every time there's a challenge or a problem in an individual's personal life, immediate family member, local community, nation, here is what God has to deal with. P- 
people. His people. It is the shortage of unprepared hearts and people. People aren't prepared for challenges. We have this motion of rah, rah, man, praise God. I'm prosperous. I'm blessed coming and blessed going. But the Bible said if you're going to be that prosperous, then you also, it says, you'll be prosperous with persecution. You don't want persecution. People don't want that. There's challenges. This nation is going through all kinds of turmoil. Doesn't mean you have to go down with it. No, no, no. We have a great God who loves us. But we cannot get involved with the world's conversation. We can't talk the way they talk. Fear and death and sickness and disease and we're all going to die and we're all going to get a virus and we're all going to be submitted and all of us should shut down and the, none of us should worship together. And watch out who you hang out with because that one person could be the one to be the death of you. Hey, you, why don't you get around somebody and say, you know what? I'm so healed and the nature of God's so strong in me that when they get around me, COVID-19 dies and they live in Jesus' name. And they have no, no symptoms in their body. And they're not subject to this, regardless of their age. I don't care what their age is. I don't at all know. And they get around me, healing occurs. The manifestation of God. I'm a vessel fit for the master's use. What happened to the I am confession? I am the healed of the Lord. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the sick say I'm well. Let the poor say I'm rich. Because all of Jesus Christ did it in our life. God contends with, the, with, with this all the time. Not the powerfulness of the devil, but the, the scarcity of the prepared men and women of our time. Dad, Gideon was not prepared. He didn't know who he was. He, so he said, listen, what happened to all these problems? First thing out of his mouth. He had an angel, though the Lord visited him. I'm with you, man of God. I'm here, man of valor. I got you. Well, wait a minute. Where are all the miracles? If you're really with me, where are all the miracles? Uh, where are all the things that my fathers told us about? Hey, how come I've been turned over into the hands of Midianites and I'm in poverty and I don't got anything going on? If you're really with me, can you imagine talking to an angel of the Lord? He shows up to you, sitting with you while you're in fear, and he shows up and gives you word. Hey, you know who you are? A mighty man of valor. That's what you are, a mighty man of valor. Well, what about all the problems going on? Forget all that. That's what comes out of people's mouths. This is what his challenge was. God's battle was not the hardships on the ground, it's, nor the difficulty. It's, I call this a bankruptcy state of unprepared and unproductive people. That's why your time has arrived. You've got to have an I am confession. You, gotta, you and I must stop giving in to challenges and not give in to that. That's what God was battling with. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, verse 8 for just a moment. Isaiah 6, 8. It makes this statement, um, uh, and Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Um, I believe in, on the notation I put Ezekiel, that's a wrong phrase in there. It's Isaiah 6, 8, and it makes this statement. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? It's the correct verse, but the scripture might be wrong. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who shall go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Wow, look at that. And he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see not indeed, but perceive not. Look at verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who shall go for us? So here's what the prophet does. He stands up and he looks around and goes, wait a minute, you're talking to me, and you're asking a question saying, who shall I send, and who's going to go for us? 
Us, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's who us is. Who's going to go for us, the people? Who's going to stand in the gap? And Isaiah stands up and he said, Hey, I'm right here. Send me. Man, wouldn't that be powerful if every man and every woman, if every good church member stood up and said, Here am I. Send me. Let's go to battle today. Here am I. Come on, let's build this church. Here am I. Let's be steadfast. Here am I. I'm ready to serve the Almighty God in this house of God. Here am I with my tithe. Here am I with my giving. Here am I with my prayer. Here am I with my faith. Here am I walking in mercy. Here am I living by grace. Here am I walking in love. Here am I refusing unforgiveness and bitterness and backbiting. Here am I. Send me. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be powerful? We could just all live that way on a regular. Instead of a handful, we all did it. Came, he came to Isaiah and said, Here am I. Send me. Is that your confession of faith? We read these words. To me, when I read these, it's like several questions come to mind. First is, why is God asking for someone to serve him? I mean, he's, he's talking to the man of God. The prophet's hearing this statement within him. It's a conversation between the spirit of the living God and this prophet. And he asks the question. He says, hey, what about me? What happened to me? Oh, man. And then he says this. And why does it appear as though God is wait, waiting for volunteers? Why does God have to wait for volunteers? But he does ask that question. Now, do you remember Moses? Do you remember the burning bush experience? Remember the words he said? Take your sandals off. You're on holy ground. And then he says, I'm sending you to go deliver my people. What a powerful statement that is. You know what that simply means? He, he, he got into Moses' life. Why couldn't he get into, into, into Gideon's life and just do that? And Isaiah, he says, well, who can I send? When you and I know who we are in Christ, stuff starts surfacing in our life, the manifestations. So I want you to think about this. It takes courage to step forward and volunteer. It takes courage when you don't have a clue how it's going to end or how long it's going to be. It listen, it, it, he was, listen, when the, Isaiah made the statement, he was unsure that if there was going to be any danger involved. He was unsure of how tired he'd get. He was unsure how long this, this assignment was going to be. He said, here am I, send me. He was not sure what the involvement would be financially, physically, emotionally, years, his, his family units. He had no clue about that. He just said, here am I, send me. He had simple, perfected faith. So we've got to live our life, and we've got to be willing to do this. And by doing this, our time has arrived. I'm going to finish this up uh, in a few weeks from now, and we'll get finished this up. This is so important that we get this, because in the hour that we're in right now, the world is trying to shut us down. And you've got to rise up and say, I know who I am, and go in his might. Man, I'm telling you right now, the angel of the Lord spoke to Gideon. Well, the Spirit of the Lord's talking to you. Rise up, mighty men and women of valor. Just achieve and do what God told you to do. Man, what a time. Thank you for joining me today. I believe this was a blessing to you. Let you know we love you. Thank God for you. I'm so appreciative that you joined us. Thank you for this, a lot, allowing me this a lot of time to preach the gospel to you. The word works. All we got to do is just live this word, live it dynamically. And listen. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.